This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Thursday, February 23rd of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, we'll follow up on what authorities are now calling an act of apparent swatting that targeted nearly 20 schools across Colorado yesterday. Then, Radio Nibbles host John Lindorf will be in the studio with a special guest. And we send off one of our cherished DJs and volunteers on his voyage back into the solar system. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour. After that, Tish Buford is back hosting a public affair on the fourth Thursdays of the month. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the February edition of the Radio Book Club. Today, we'll hear from Rachel King about her book, Bratwurst Haven, a collection of short stories set in a fictitious small town in eastern Boulder County, where a sausage factory binds the diverse characters together. Then at 9.30, Greg Schultz will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. All that's still ahead this morning, but first, a look at the headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson. What appears to be a coordinated fear campaign targeted close to 20 schools across Colorado yesterday, forcing lockdowns and law enforcement response. Among those affected was Boulder High School. The University of Colorado Police Dispatcher received a call Wednesday around 8.30 a.m. from someone claiming they were outside the high school, armed with weapons, and about to enter the school to commit murder. Sounds of what police described as realistic gunfire fouled. None of the schools experienced a physical attack. Authorities are calling yesterday's state wide pattern of calls of simulated violence and incident of apparent swatting, a term that refers to fake emergency calls designed to provoke a large-scale law enforcement response, oftentimes with SWAT teams. KGNU will have more on yesterday's incidents later on in the morning magazine. The city of Boulder has decided to move forward with purchasing a house and transferring it to a drug rehab for a total of 10 occupants. According to the Denver Post, the purchase of the home is $1 million and comes from Boulder's Affordable Housing Fund. The decision is part of the Project Recovery Initiative seeking to combat drug addiction across Colorado. Additional grant money from a nonprofit that helps individuals recover from substance problems will cover the cost of day-to-day operations at the home. According to the Denver Post, the city has refused to disclose the exact location of the property. That decision has reportedly drawn protests from Boulder residents. Boulder Mayor Aaron Brockett told the Denver Post that he supports the city's council's decision to withhold information, saying other rehabilitation houses are already in existence in undisclosed locations. According to the Denver Post, two more drug rehabilitation houses are being planned for other locations in Boulder County. A group of Democratic lawmakers say they will introduce a bill in the state legislature by the end of the week that will limit all firearm purchases and possession to individuals 21 and older. The limitation includes rifles and shotguns, but carves out exemptions for sports shooters, military members, single-shot rifles used by hunters, and supervised firearm possession. The bill's sponsors, Senator Jesse Danielson of Wheat Ridge, Senator Kyle Maluka of Thornton, Representative Monica Duran of Wheat Ridge and Representative Eliza Hamrick of Centennial unveiled the proposal in an interview with the Denver Post Tuesday evening. Using statistics from the Giffords Law Center, sponsors say the new legislation will help to prevent the high rate of violence and suicide perpetrated by young people using firearms. A ruling Wednesday determined the Teller County Sheriff's Office did not violate state law when 
cooperating with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. KGNU's Alyssa Palazzo has more. A district court judge ruled Wednesday that the arrest and detainment of individuals on immigration charges performed by the Teller County Sheriff's Office is legal, despite a 2019 state law prohibiting local law enforcement from doing so. The county has entered into a 287 agreement with ICE, allowing state officers to enforce federal immigration law in exchange for training. The American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, filed a lawsuit to inhibit the sheriff's office from entering into the agreement. The district judge, in his ruling, said the agreement allows county deputies and officers to act as designated immigration officers under the supervision of ICE, which is lawful and consistent with Colorado law. A study by the ACLU of North Carolina found the agreement tolerates, quote, racial profiling and baseless stereotyping, resulting in the harassment of local residents and the isolation of an increasingly marginalized community. The ACLU of Colorado plans to appeal Wednesday's ruling. For KGNU, I'm Alyssa Palazzo. During tonight's Denver Public Schools Board of Education meeting, Superintendent Alex Moreo will present the district's plan to address low enrollment. The plan names 15 schools with low enrollment and their likely closure during the coming years. Last fall, amid community outcry, school board members rejected a proposal to close 10 schools by the end of the existing school year. The district's latest plan presents several actions for low enrollment schools, including an initial time frame for closure, phasing out grades by not enrolling new kindergartners or sixth graders, unifying closing schools with other nearby schools, and considering other community-generated options during the next six months. According to the Denver Post, the latest update by district officials considers three schools, Denver Discovery, Mathematics and Science Leadership Academy, and Fairview Elementary as having critically low enrollment, with Moreo possibly recommending their closure by the end of the current school year. The Longmont Library is asking community members to donate gently used formal and semi-formal attire that is appropriate for teenagers to wear for the upcoming prom season. The aim of the donation drive that ends March 19th is to eliminate the prohibitive costs for teenagers taking part in prom. Library officials say they can accept a range of styles and sizes but are in the most need of non-dress items like suits and tuxedos. Donated items must be dry cleaned with tags still attached. In response to the continuation of cold and snowy conditions, Denver officials will activate the Rood Recreation Center again tonight as an overnight shelter. The rec center is located at 2855 West Holden Place, southeast of Colfax and Federal Boulevard. For today's weather, wind chill temps remain in effect this morning. The National Weather Service has issued a wind chill advisory until 9 a.m., with wind chill values going as low as minus 15 degrees. The upper metro front range region will have partly sunny skies today with a high of 14 degrees for Fort Collins, 18 degrees of for Boulder, and 23 degrees for Denver. There's a 20% chance of snow occurring in the afternoon hours for Denver and Boulder. Tonight, there's a 30 to 40% chance of snow, mainly before 9 p.m. New snow accumulations are less than a half an inch possible. Tonight, Denver will have a low around 9 degrees, 6 degrees for Boulder, and 2 degrees for Fort Collins. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young.
Boulder High, our school is currently on lockdown. During lockdown, rooms are secured and students are instructed to stay quiet and in place. BBSD will provide more information as soon as possible. That's the message that went out to Boulder High parents at 8.55 yesterday morning, following up on a text alert minutes earlier. This morning around 8.33, we received information from the CU Police Department that they had a uh, call that came into their dispatch center of uh, a person that said they were at Boulder High School with uh, an AR-15 and pipe bombs and that they were going to go in and start killing people in the school. But on the phone call, the dispatcher heard what sounded like automatic gunfire. And so obviously that triggered a heavy police response. Uh, our active shooter protocols went into place. Stephen Redfern, deputy chief of the Boulder Police Department, spoke to KGNU outside of Boulder High shortly after authorities evacuated the school. Similar calls targeted around 20 schools across the state. A Nine News analysis of call times found they followed a sequence of alphabetical order, with Alamosa receiving the first call at 824, then Aspen one minute later, then Aurora at 830, Boulder three minutes after that, and so on until the last swatting call of the day threatened a Littleton school in the early afternoon. Officials are calling the incident apparent swatting. That is, unsubstantiated emergency calls designed to provoke a large-scale police response. The term alludes to a response that can trigger the deployment of SWAT teams. Deputy Police Chief Redfern described the Boulder law enforcement response during an interview on the street yesterday. Our patrol resources, any on-duty detectives, command staff, um, all of us that were on duty responded. Uh, SWAT was put on standby. Uh, if we would have had confirmed shots fired, obviously we would have called mutual aid from all of our uh, local jurisdictions. Uh, but we had a great response this morning. Just with our on-duty resources, we, will, we were able to lock the school down, uh, get the area locked down, and start searching inside. I'm confident that if it had been an active shooter situation, we would have resolved it very quickly. How long did it take to clear the school? It took, uh, our, our initial contact teams went through quickly, uh, just to ensure that it's a big school, there wasn't anyone in there with the firearm. And then uh, we went slowly back through the school to do what we call a secondary clearance, which classroom to classroom, checking closets, and we did find students that were you know, sheltered in place that we were able to then get out of the school. And this is one of several calls that have come in throughout the day-to-day -day involving other schools. What has been the communication thus far between the Boulder Police Department and authorities in these other cities? Sure, so we did get word after, I think ours might have been one of the first that happened this morning, and then while we were working this incident, um, I, we got word from our partners of, hey, we have one as well. Uh, we're in, we've been in constant communication with our partners at the FBI this morning. Uh, this is something they're likely going to take the lead on, but we're still figuring that out. But So we've been communicating with them. Uh, they've been kind of coordinating this because it is multi-jurisdictional. What are the next steps now? So the, the, great, the, the great outcome would be we would be able to identify where the call came from. Um, don't know, I, I know nothing about the call at this point, but that's going to be our first step. To figure out who, the, who did this and, and hopefully take proper proper action. Um, there's all a, a myriad of charges this person could face, um, rightfully so. So our, our goal will be to, to now do the detective piece of this with all of our partners to try to figure out who this was and uh, make sure they're held accountable. And what kind of criminal penalties would be involved and would each jurisdiction be able to bring their own charges? Absolutely. So every jurisdiction that received this call, um, there's multiple felony charges, especially in their specific charges to uh, educational institutions. And so it would be if this was indeed the same person in all these jurisdictions, uh, numerous, numerous felony charges. And and potentially if the FBI was able to uh, substantiate federal charges, that's also on the table. Is there anything else that listeners should know? 
uh, just that we take all of these calls seriously. I mean, we do unfortunately get a lot of threats to different places. This one was a little bit different because the person wasn't, it wasn't general. It was, I'm here, I'm going to do this. And then they heard gunshots. And so we know it was alarming to everybody, but we, we can't, we have to treat each one of these like it is the real thing because unfortunately it's so common. And so um, we're, we're just very grateful. It wasn't uh, a substantiated call, but we do understand that, you know, it is, it's traumatic for everybody involved. And quite frankly, in this community, these police officers, it affects them uh, in light of King Supers. And, and, you know, we just had an incident Monday where a guy was firing 20 gunshots while our officers were in the area. So it's, uh, it's not good for anybody involved. That was Boulder Deputy Police Chief Stephen Redfern speaking with me yesterday near Boulder High School shortly after the evacuation of students and staff. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is now leading the multi-jurisdictional case. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Up next is Radio Nibbles. Gather round with a hot beverage, be it cocoa or caffeinated. It's time to start Radio Nibbles. In the studio with me, as always, is Radio Nibbles host, John Lindorf. Good morning. Good morning, Shannon, and uh, welcome everybody in the uh, larger uh, KGNU community. Uh, gathered around the big table all over Boulder and uh, beyond. And uh, I'm really excited this morning. Uh, an old good friend is here, uh, and uh, I've known her and her voice for uh, decades. Um my guest is uh, Ginger Havlett, and as soon as you hear her her voice, you're going to go, oh, wait, I know that voice. Hi, Ginger. It is a pleasure to be here. I wonder if I remember my voice. You know, I've been retired for two months now. It's nice to be back on the radio. Well, it's nice that you can you can uh, come in and uh, visit with us at uh, KGNU. But uh, I wanted to uh, kind of look back over some of that time because uh, we've, we've both been on the air, you know, or and around for all that time. Uh, we were talking about some of the restaurants that we loved back in the day. Um, and you were talking about the, the European Cafe. European Cafe was my favorite fancier uh, restaurant located at the Village Shopping Center. Right. Not of. the Yeah, across um, off of Arapahoe. And I, you know what I remember? I always got beef turnitos. I remember that. But I remember the mashed potatoes. The Looked ma- like frozen yogurt out of the machine, that yeah. swirl, and the sauces came down on it. Sad day when that closed. That was, that was Chef Roddick Cherney. The, uh, he was like a mashed potato savant. He, 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 and it obviously involved a lot of cream and butter. Of course. Yeah. Uh, any others from, uh, you know, when you first got to town? I moved to Boulder fall of 81. I think probably the first restaurant I went to was Round the Corner. They had three locations where uh. you called in your burger order on the phone. I remember that. I remember uh, Roman Village uh, Pizza. Uh, for you, for you um, folks, younger folks, um, there were actual, like, telephones at the table yeah, with, just, a, with a cord coming out of it, you know. You it called a, in your order. They brought it to your table, <laughs> and a, there were three a, of those. It was early remote uh, ordering. And I remember the L.A. Diner with uh, the roller skating servers. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, asking around the other day whether there were any, actually, uh, not that I go out in the middle of the night to eat, but I, I realized that there, there are no longer any, like, 
the, the places to go and have breakfast in the middle of the night. Yeah, where do you soak up that alcohol if you're going to close out the dark horse? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Which I went to recently for Burger Madness. Is it still? It's still pretty darn good and very reasonably priced. And the stuff is still on the ceiling? The stuff is still yeah. on the ceiling. One day I expect it to fall down, but it hasn't yet. Yeah. Um, you know, over the years, you've had, uh, you've done a remarkable, you know, series of uh, interviews, and uh, you've had these moments with some truly significant uh, musicians, uh, including Paul McCartney. You have any uh, food-related memories from from over those uh, years? You know, I can remember early in Sheryl Crow's career, at least solo career, and she was in town. She was playing the Fox Theater, and I want to say it was 93 or 94. It was one of those two years. Tuesday Night Music Club had just come out, and that, of course, opened the floodgates. And she came by the station, came by KBCO for an interview, and then we all went to Pasta Jay's for dinner Mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. And um, A lot of garlic. A lot of garlic, I know. I'm thinking about that because that was the kind of place I used to say, don't go to Pasta J's before a date unless they really like garlic too. But anyway, her and the band and the record rep and all of us were at Pasta J's. And then as we're leaving, I had a car and I said, hey, anybody want to ride up to the Fox Theater? And I gave Cheryl and her guitarist a ride up there. And I always remember nervously driving, thinking, I've got this budding star in my car, you know, be very careful to make sure she makes it to the uh, venue safely. And uh, you were talking about, uh, I, I, I'm very fond of the, the band Traffic, uh, Steve Winmund and Jim Capaldi, and I only got to see them uh, once uh, long ago, but uh, you, uh, you, had, you tried to have breakfast with Jim Capaldi. We did have breakfast, and we went to the Buff, the old location by the motel. Yeah. And that was, you know, before they they moved a couple blocks down. But uh, for whatever reason, it was very slow that day. I think they were understaffed, and it was taking forever to get our meal. And I could tell Jim was getting just a little antsy. And later, when he signed his vinyl solo album, I wish I could have found it, because I can't remember exactly. Something to the effect of breakfast. Was it worth the wait? Jim Capaldi. (laughs) I still have that someplace on my Uh, shelf. It was worth the wait. Good breakfast. And um, so, do you uh, do you miss that stuff? The food or being yeah. on the air? Well, the food, oh. the food, of course. <laughs> the food. Yeah, I don't get out as much as I used to, but I love going to restaurants. I have a lot of memories of other ones through the years. It's funny we were playing that game, friends and I. Of do you remember Goldini's? Do you remember Pelican Pete's? We were just going. Uh, Pelican th- Pete's was very. Uh, Ended up becoming very. Uh, I I didn't realize. Uh, I I talked to my friend Gil Asakawa. Who's, oh, Gil, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he said that essentially uh, Pelican Pete's was the first sushi bar in uh, Colorado. Really? Yeah, first legit sushi, and he and his uh, family used to come up uh, to go there in the eighties. And I think about it more, of course, for the seafood. And I was thinking the other day, does Boulder really have a bona fide seafood restaurant? Uh, I don't think st- yeah, st- not- strictly anymore. No. You know? uh, my favorite is the, uh, oh, now I'm going to forget the name of it. There's a, I think it's the Real Fish, Real Fish in uh, Lafayette. Oh, that's a pretty because, good place. Because it's one of the only places that uh, uh, serves uh, uh, fried clams. Um, and, um, let's see, um, 
Yeah, I think that's that's that that's kind of the only uh, the only place. Orchid Pavilion. Did you ever go to the Orchid Pavilion? That was right across from the. Uh, I was working at the uh, Daily Camera initially when mm-hmm. uh, Ginger was uh, working at uh, the station, and uh, so I got to you know I got to know the the places in that uh, neighborhood. But that was one of the first sort of upscale uh, Chinese places. Best sesame chicken I ever had. That was probably the first place I had uh, sesame chicken, actually. Pearls. I remember sitting on the second floor at Pearls on the uh, Pearl Street Mall. I worked at Pearls. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I was a cook. Also potters. Potters? Yeah, you might have been making that chicken fried steak for me at Pearls. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, because of potters, I, uh, I uh, got out of uh, cooking food and started writing about it. Uh, I was a, uh, a fry cook at Potter's, which now is kind of, it's kind of right next to where um, the ice cream shop is at the corner of Pearl. Can I, can I bring you back to food writing and ask what's in your nipples column this week? Oh, you can. Um, The best thing I've uh, eaten lately, which is actually what the what the column is uh, oh it's it's a twofer it's okay, a, it's a, it's a okay. A i was jumping the gun like looking at the uh, clock <laughs> no i um i kept hearing that there was a uh, an empanada maker in uh, longmont and uh, i went out there and it's it's tucked away in this tiny little uh, it's like an old building and you you know it's like a in, interior shopping mall it's got all these funky shops in it and in there is abuelita's empanadas and there's this wonderful uh, woman from Durango uh, Mexico uh, Mirella and uh, she makes uh, absolutely excellent uh, empanadas uh, with uh, chicken tinga uh, ham and cheese she does but my favorites uh, she has a chili relleno empanada which just warms my heart and also a sweet pineapple empanada Oh, that sounds really good. Um, so it's just, uh, it's uh, it's a joy. Okay. Well, you know, I think that growing up in Houston, it made me extremely partial to those strip center, like finding oh. the places tucked away in those strip center because it's just something blah, 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 that, uh, I don't know, being in a anonymous strip center, like, adds to the flavor. Is, oh. it, off, is it off Hoover or Main? Yeah. Or? Uh, no, it's on Main Street. Okay. Uh, okay. Just tucked in a tucked in a building. And, you know, uh, that, thank goodness for social media. That's how I found it. Um, but uh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Abuelita's uh, empanadas. Okay. Uh, highly recommended. Well, that's the best thing you've eaten. Ginger, how about you? Best thing lately, besides my homemade split pea soup I made yesterday while the mm. snow was coming down, which was very good, I might add. Mm. Not the snow, the soup. Mm. You know, a week ago, I, I had Mexican hash browns at the Parkway Cafe. <laughs> and I, that is my go-to. And I took a friend from Chicago, and she couldn't mm. believe how good it was. Mm. A bed of hash browns covered in homemade pork green chili, mm. two eggs, cheese, and mm. I had them add carnitas. Mm. And, you know, uh, Ginger, uh, it's been, you know, this is way too short. Um, so I, I really like our idea, you know, of doing a, uh, a Friday night uh, polka show. Yes. You know, <laughs> we decided that out in the lobby. We can, we can bring in the Runzas and the Kalach. And, uh, Kalachis, yes, yeah, with prunes. And uh, get everybody dancing on a Friday night. Okay, well, uh, J- John Lindorf here making programming decisions on the fly, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You can catch his Nibbles column at the Boulder Weekly. And uh, join us next Thursday for a doubleheader, Radio Nibbles, followed by Kitchen Table Talk. And uh, thank you, Ginger.
Thank it's you very much. Having you here. I appreciate it, John. What you are hearing is part of a curated playlist put together by longtime KGNU DJ and volunteer Jim Jobson, also known by his DJ name, Buddha Bomb. He passed away suddenly just after midnight Wednesday on what was his 71st birthday. DJ Buddha Bomb was a regular host of Sleepless Nights, Under the Floorboards, and Electronic Air. He was also chair of KGNU's program committee. Jobson was also a close friend of Brigitte Mars, host of Naturally, who I asked to share a few words. Hi, this is Brigitte Mars, the one who does Naturally on KGNU for the past 40 years. And I wanted to have a tribute and shout out to Buddha Bomb. Many of you have known and enjoyed his music. I want to say what a true avatar he was. He lifted so many people up by bringing musicians onto his show, by praying for people. He really embodied the Buddhist spirit, and I will love and respect him forever. Uh, He died the night before his birthday, and I will look for him in the world after here. I'm sure so many of us have been touched by him. His presence, his love of music, his love of creation, of nature. For the past uh, four years, we've been putting on a bee in in Lyons to raise awareness about the bees. He not only cared about music, but about people, about this planet, and all the creatures on it. So lift a prayer in your hearts for this wonderful man, and may he be fondly remembered. Brigitte Mars, sharing a few words about her friend and KGNU DJ Buddha Bomb, or Jim Jobson. We wish him safe travels on his journey back to Neptune. That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Shannon Young. Stay tuned for a public affair with Tish Buford that's coming up just after the news headlines from the BBC.